Every man. Every man. Ah, uh, here we are. Every man podcast. So we had ourselves a good old fashioned every man field trip down to the Tower Theater uh, this past weekend to see Dream Theater. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And this was um, to say it was an experience would be an understatement. We we set up ahead of time. So we ha- when we had John Petrucci on the show, um, we talked offline about uh, doing some more interviews together because we felt like uh, it was it was a great fit and we would get some some good stuff together. Mm-hmm. So I reached out and coordinated an interview with Mike Mangini. So reached out to their tour manager, got us hooked up. And we were on the Dream Theater tour bus. Excellent bus, by the way. <laughs> it was, it was uh, luxurious. I mean, I've been on a few tour buses, and this was definitely the nicest. They had big, big old TVs. They had Gatorade G two. Yeah, baby. G two on top of G two. It was amazing. Electrolytes. <laughs> well, can you imagine how much? Like now that you've seen them play, like you imagine how how dehydrated they must be after a show. Without question. I mean, it, they need G two. They need it. Like it's not. It's not a game. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, they do. It's like uh, you're gonna have to go to the hospital if you don't get this in you. So let's let's, let's intravenously put G two into you while you play, so you can get out every last bit of DT in that session. It's crazy. Every, every note needs a little <laughs> bit of electrolyte, and, and I'm sure. I'm sure, Mr. Mangini, the master of time, mm-hmm. I'm sure he could tell us exactly how many G twos he needs. To replenish after a certain amount of time, I'm just I'm convinced of it. I, I yeah, I'm right there with you, brother Jay. So we're hanging out on the tour bus, and and we had we we were there early in the afternoon, so we only we had a certain amount of time to work with leading up to their sound check. And obviously, sound check is is like a, uh, akin to a, a walkthrough for a football team or mm-hmm. a dress rehearsal for play. It's it's very important. It's and it cannot be messed with. So we had a short amount of time, and then on top of that, we were on the tour bus. And if you've ever been on a tour bus to keep all those fancy things going, they have generators that make a lot of noise. So the uh, state of the art everyman podcast recording equipment is so highly tuned and sensitive that we were picking up a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't want to pick up. Yep. So combined with the the short on time and the, the background noise, we decided to have a real in-depth conversation with Mike Mangini because we just really hit it off. So a combination of Daryl for the first time seeing Dream Theater. Yep. Hanging out with Mike, really getting a feel for him. And this was this was the first time I've met him and Daryl had met him. So we didn't we didn't know anything outside of like, you know, what what we're hearing and, and what we're seeing. So the conversation that you're gonna hear this week and then next week's episode in part two um, this is a real look at someone who just totally impressed us and, and not just as, as a musician, like that mm-hmm. doesn't even need to be said. You can hear that in this interview, but the things that impressed us most is, is his, the way he puts not only his, his bandmates before himself, uh, his family before himself, his friends, his colleagues, the people that he works with and, and works the work for him. Uh, he's just an absolute definition of an everyman and oh my God. i mean daryl you you share a little just briefly because i don't want to i don't want to step too much on the interview i want to get right into it how how i mean what did you take away from this from this experience both seeing dream theater and then getting to know mike over the weekend and talking with him uh for this interview i mean 
it, it's it's hard to even put into lyric. It's it's hard to quantify in words. Just you know how impactful I think Mike Mangini is. And and let's just step away from the drumming aspect of it. Let's just talk about Mike Mangini as a human being and as a man, um, as a father. Just you know, just every everything he embodies is positivity. Everything that he embodies is all every man, and that's exactly what it is that this podcast is about. And uh, just to put it put it into perspective, you have someone that in his preparation his preparation for a set, his preparation for a gig, his preparation for a tour, um, quite literally starts with praying for others, praying for others' well-being. That, that's, that's the start of his preparation. I mean, that's just, that, that's the only thing I can think of that's indicative of, of everything that everyone should be about. You, 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 you having a selfless approach to life, a selfless approach to approaching uh, the, the 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 mastery of your craft and a selfless approach of integrating yourself with the environment that that God has uh, bestowed upon you. I I get emotional thinking about it. Uh, I, I I can't wait for you guys to to check out um, this podcast and to just get an in-depth. Just look at, at at Mike uh wholesale and um you can you can you can make your own opinions after it. But I, I think just speaking from me, speaking from my heart, like I, I he is and you'll 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 hear this, but uh um he's um he's he's quite impressive. He's one of my most favorite newfound people on the face of the planet. And I, I honestly I'm just just blessed to to now call him a friend and a part of, of, I, I believe my circle. So I, I, you guys can just check it out. It's awesome. Let's, let's get right into it. All right. We're here with uh, Mike Mangini for a two parter on the Everyman podcast. We spent some time uh, together on Saturday in Philadelphia at the tower theater uh, for the dream theater distance over time tour and uh, we, we had a great conversation on the bus. Unfortunately, we had too much background noise and we ran short on time and we decided that we just had to do this again. So here we are. Mike Mangini, welcome to the show. Hello, Justin. Hello, Daryl. Nice to see What's you guys again. What's going on, Mike? You know, it's it, nice. It's, Things are smooth today. That's good. It's a pleasure to see you again. So how was your, uh, how was your drive down to D.C. from Philly? 100% asleep. It's the way it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, we're glad you got some rest. So I, I did. We had, to say we had a great time would be an understatement. Um, we, Daryl and I, just, just to recap the day, Daryl and I got together and uh, drove down to the tower. We got there around 2.45, met the uh, ever... Uh, What's the right word to describe Rick? He's just a powerful man. He's a general in his own right. You know, passionate. He's, 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 he's the tour manager of Dream Theater, who and he runs the show. No yep. questions about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he took us on the bus, which was incredible. Beautiful bus, uh, decadent, I might say. And uh, you know, Mike was kind enough to offer us some G two Gatorade, which made Daryl very happy. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and and we got into a little bit of everything from, 
you know, what you're doing now to what you did when you were 13 uh, to what you're looking to do in the future. So to recap a little bit here, let's just start with <clears throat> Dream Theater. So yeah. the talk of the town has really been the new distance over time and the, the sound of the drums on the record. And when I was looking around for questions from, from the fans uh, to get their ideas and perspective out there, everybody keeps talking about how happy they are with the drum sound. And when we had John on the show on episode one, John Petrucci, uh, we talked about it at length and he, he credited a lot of it to a change in, um, you know, you had some new engineers working on the, on the record and you, and you mentioned that on Saturday. Uh, also the, the studio itself, um, new mics, all, all this stuff. There's a lot of uh, new, new gear and new process. Um, and also, you know, when Jamie King, when he was on the show, we, we also talked about it at length. And as a drummer myself, I really felt like I was getting the, um, the drummer's perspective. And I, when I say that, I mean, a lot of people make a choice to mix the sound of the drums from an audience perspective or from the perspective of behind a drum kit. And like the Extractus uh, EP, for example, that we did with Jamie King, I, I've had that as the producer and that I had that mixed as, you know, from the drummer's perspective because I wanted that certain sound. Um, so when I heard Distance Over Time, I was just immediately drawn to it because of that. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your uh, your feelings about it, the process going into it, and, and how you feel about the outcome. Well, how about this? Uh, let's just say if a player on a team has a slightly better year, one year, or, or, or let's say the entire DB chord, you know, speak your language, Daryl. You know, a lot of things can change. An offensive coordinator, a coach, a, you know, a couple of players. Um, who right. knows? People change. It's, 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 so a lot can change. So what, what change I, it really can be best explained with a timeline. Uh, the first thing is to use, for me, is to use my common sense and say, look it, a co-producer of this band was the drummer before, who had decades to hone that sound, who had say in the mix, in the mastering, in everything. So you're talking about a massive, massive change now, going from Mike being completely all over that and having the record sound like drummers hear things, which may not be everyone's cup of tea in the world. you got to understand that, too. But right. it's certainly a drummer's cup of tea. Um, you go from that to me having zero experience with dream theater and therefore zero of anything other than playing the drums because basically my drum set has been the same on every record and I've played the same. But look at the differences, not only in dream theater, but in other records I'll mention. So, so, so just give me a little timeline here to outline this because not one thing changed. A lot of things. Um, and it's an evolution and it shows you, you know, John took over as sole producer, and he has evolved. And now you can see his evolution and his ability to adapt and change and produce and all these things. And guess what? Here we are. Here we are again, you know, and it's just, it's always getting better. And that's what we try to do is progress. We are a progressive rock band. So that's the basic premise of the outline. Now, here's the reality of it. The drum set used on Distance Over Time was exactly the same as a dramatic turn of events, except for two uh, the kick drums were different. The snare drum was everything. The toms, you jump used to basically, for the most, yeah, that was it. Everything was the same. The snare drum was an inch different. Same drums, same drummer, same everything. 
The other drum sets I used for self-titled and astonishing were largely the same. They sounded the same. It was still me, some different tuning, but we're talking about that was constant the whole way, and John has been the same producer the whole way. So look at all the difference, though, in between. We've had some team member changes and different autonomy and things like that. But here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. On distance over time, to be direct, I have been working with Jimmy T, James Meslin, for years. And I was, I've been working on my solo stuff and asking him for help so he knows the sound that I want, that I'm getting at home from an EQ perspective, from a where the microphones go perspective, from how do we pan it perspective from what about the levels perspective that's a major difference from distance over time to anything else i've had to do with on any record i mean i have not been involved in this much on any record in my life and so put it this way if you look at some different collections of people a dramatic turn of events you're talking like you know paul northfield capturing but Andy Wallace doing all the EQing, I believe, and mixing, and John producing. And I don't know what, I played the drums and I left. Um, you got uh, Rich Chicky coming in on the uh, self-titled and the astonishing, and um, uh, capturing it, John producing. So you've got that combination. You've got now James Labrie producing with Rich Chicky engineering, on elements of persuasion with me playing. So it's a great record, by the way. You check it out, but it sounds different. Um, you've got you've got uh, the Great Divide with Rich Chicky engineering and producing all by himself, and me just playing and working with him. You got just the two of us on that. You've got Jimmy T capturing the drums on Xanadu with Rich Chicky mixing it, and me just playing and John producing over overall which sounds different and uh, on distance over time you've got Jimmy T and I working on all of these things I said uh, including that I wanted the, wanted the drums on a drum riser just like a change like that but then you've got the whole thing being turned over to Ben Gross with full autonomy to just mix it and John produce it so um, check I mean where is the change what's the big difference what you know You've got, a, you've got a lot of variables here, but all I know is the drummer's perspective you got, that's because I had a lot to do with this one in that way. Um, I did so not, really, roles, yeah. it, it's, not a, it's not so much a change in direction or a change in uh, ideas. It's a change in who was doing what and, and how that finished product came together as a result of all these different experiences with, with people yeah. working together to have you know, uh, to, to get a better idea how to accomplish what each other is trying to accomplish in a team environment. Yes, and, and at the end of the day, when, when you speak about the drum sound and I hear about it, um, one thing that should be remembered is, is that this is me we're talking about. So if I'm the constant going through this, if I'm the one this is all about, and I'm okay with all of these different experiments and changes in this, you know, I think everyone else should be okay too. But if they're not, um, what am I going to say? You know, I've got the same drummer, the same, practically the same exact drums. Uh, we've got the same producer since I've joined, but different producers on these different albums too, and different combinations of the, like the same people. So like, it's wild. So it's, so it's safe to say that it's only going to 
uh, improve from here, if that's even possible. Now, that's where I'm going with this. Hmm. That's where I'm going with this. It's improving. It's strengthening. Everybody's learning. Um, and you can't pin one thing. Right. Because because you got you got the same person from this record doing this other record that sounds completely different with the same person on this record that's same on this other record and it's completely different. So what do you what do you know? That's it. Did did you do anything differently to warm up uh, or practice for the, at that point uh, in the studio that you're doing differently on tour, or is that pretty much consistent? That's consistent. I um. I pretty much warm up with just getting the motions right to play because the bulk of the day is spent doing that. Was, that's part of the dream theater audition. That's why those tests were so important. That's why you can't do your work at home. You can't do that. There's no time. It's good. You have to be on the spot pattern recognition. Bam. I'm like zing right away. The ideas can't have flaws in the execution uh, like you, you have to know what you're doing, and you have to execute it right. There's no time for that. You need the creativity to be there, not the ability to run a route, not the ability to strike the drum exactly on the grid or off the grid or ahead of time or behind time. You can't worry about those things or even understand what's going on. So I warm up the motions and rely on my history of practicing to get the job done. Daryl, can you relate to that as as like a as far as football is concerned with 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 practice and repetitions? Like the they talk about mental reps in football when you're on the sidelines. Well, it's it, it's funny. Just coming back from broadcast boot camp, uh, James Brown was one of the um, hosts that were on staff. That was, <laughs> um, so so James Brown would say he would he would tell us all in broadcast boot camp and and in, in, in mirrors just on the football field. Practice makes permanent. So the more you do your reps, the more that you exercise your craft, the more that the technique becomes a part of you. So it's it, just as Mike's saying, it's you can be creative and you don't have to worry about the constraints of not knowing because it's a part of you now. You've done it so much that it's second nature. You can execute without worrying about, like you said, hey, is am, am I gonna is it gonna be a four inch step or a seven inch step? Is this gonna be um is this gonna be a pirate stunt or do I have to wait on Brian Erlachter to come in for this game that we're about to run? Like I know where I am with relation to everybody because I've done this so much. It's routine. It's a part of me. And I have to think about it. I know all the pieces are going to be in the right place because I am centered and centralized and in the right place. So yeah. Now are you would it also be similar, as Mike is saying, with his practice routine and warm-up routine? As a player, would you do the same? Like, would you want to be warming up during practice during the week the same way that you want to warm up, you know, going into the game on Sunday? Yeah, it, I mean, that that is that's also a part of the the muscle memory that's involved with being able to execute on Sundays. You don't want to you don't have to worry about, okay, well, did I do enough to prepare me? to go up against 700 pounds on a double team, 800 pounds on a double team. You know what I mean? Because if you get, <laughs> if you get this, like, 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 let's just be real. When I played my, my max weight was 281. So my strengths were a good first step. Okay. And being able to anticipate movement before it even happens. But that also comes in understanding exactly what's going on 
with respect to that play in the backfield. There's different keys that are there that'll give me that edge and that extra step even even more so. So I don't have to worry about, okay, well, I know these guys are going to deuce down on me, but my first step, with my first step, I'm going to split it, won't even have to worry about it, and I'm tackling a guy in the backfield for a loss. So, you know what I mean? Like, these are the things that you have to make kind of, I should say, they have to be coalesced when you execute on game day so you don't have to worry about any negative outcomes. So you're just you're just executing. It's just pure execution. It's it's it, you can't even think of it as like it's execution but it's just you being free. You know what I mean? It's just you being free and in the moment, present in the moment because you've already taken care of the the the, the, the I should say the, the practicing and the execution during the week to make it permanent and make it a a part of you so you can just go out and just play your game. Like I can go in and know, okay, well, I'm going to go step this, this, I'm going to go step this, uh, uh, left guard. Okay. Well, he sees, he sees the recognition of me coming down inside. He's frozen. I know exactly what my two and my three moves are. Even if I do Mm. get, even if he gets a hand in my chest, okay, boom. All right. I'm going to come over, cheese out, who's out. And then boom, I'm coming right in rip straight to the quarterback. And it's, it's over. And but I, I feel that I see that. So I know, OK, as soon as he does this one motion, if I do get stuck, if he's able to get me, I already have a counter for it. I'm coming right, pointing the toe to the QB and I'm getting right there, pointing the toe into the backfield tackle for loss. You see these things. You feel these things. You are these things. And then the results follow. That's just how it is. But like Mike says, you have to get to the point to where you practice you make it permanent and then it's just you having fun then it's just you doing what it is that you are god gifted to be able to do that's it if you don't practice if you don't make it permanent then you're going to get embarrassed on national tv (laughs) i'm telling you that right now you're gonna get embarrassed because these these like just like i'm looking for keys Offensive linemen are, are looking for keys. They have player personnel departments that are looking for these same keys. You get, they, they say the NFL is not for long because there is an entire department that, that sole job is to make sure that you're on the ball because if, you, if, you, if you're not, they'll get somebody else who is. That's just how the game works. It's, it's business. It's, it's, it's your livelihood. It's how you take care of your family. So I have to know I got to put the work in on the front end so that on the back end I can execute and just be a beast come game day. That's just that's just it. That's well, what it is. If I've ever seen a beast, it was it was the one sitting behind the the drum condo at the Tower Theater on Saturday night. <laughs> that's I, thank you. I I want to talk about some of the some of the songs you guys played Saturday night because okay. I uh, this is a great opportunity to come out to everyone as a huge Dream Theater nerd. Um, if it wasn't already evident, but uh, I'm very passionate about Dream Theater. Always have been. Um, especially as a as a young musician, when I when I came across that music, it was like, um, oh, this is speaking to me. This is what this is what I need for my attention span as a young as a young drummer. And um, you played some songs that I are my favorite. Some of my favorite Dream Theater songs. And obviously, "Scenes from Memory" is was incredible to see live, and we're we're gonna get there. But I want to talk about "A Nightmare to Remember." So when when that album came out, Black Clouds and Silver Linings, there was like a, a big to-do about the fact that there was a quote-unquote blast beat in that song. And I'm more on the, the heavier end of the metal you know, sphere. Um, I'm not the best at the blast beats, but 
I, I understand what's going on there, and I can I can execute at a certain certain tempo that, that was always comfortable for me. Uh, but my music was never really looking for that. Um, it's just a style thing. Mm-hmm. So when I heard you all night, that was two things I was looking for. One is Mangini going to do the the rap uh, in that in that section, or and and also what's the blast beat going to sound like? And you played it exactly the way it should be played and i was always disappointed and i don't want to say disappointed because i want to think about the positives but what i got live in in the past was not what was there saturday night and it's a small detail that i know you know a lot of the the dream theater faithful may not pick up um but i know a lot of the drummers certainly are Oh, there's plenty of videos of it on YouTube of me but, doing it. I don't know. Yeah, but for some reason, it's just not like a big deal. So I wanted to talk about like your approach to that, to playing right. that part, and okay. and why you executed it that way live. Okay, as what I did to the previous live version. Well, okay. Um, what I did is first of all, if you talk about the middle part of it or the or the end of it. Um, uh, and yeah, the very oh, okay. What I did with that is I I used my right hand on the snare and only my left foot um, for the first half, where I was in triplet mode, just like the record. Right. At this, which is hand foot, hand foot, hand foot, with my left hand matching the left foot. So the left side was lined up uh, with the hi hat in between, like the kick drum. But then halfway through, I amped up the tempo another level, and I went to eights going brrrr. And when I did that, um, that's when my hand was going, um, you know, and I used both feet in between. So that that would have that should have sounded like brrrr. I don't know what it sounded like up front, but that's what I played. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 mix, um, the mix was really good on Saturday night, and I found that it was much... Um, how do I say the 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 low end was a lot cleaner the second half of the set um, it was great but I could hear it but I knew what I was listening for so I, I heard it um, yeah. and, and it was it was just it was awesome to, to see that and it's it's one of those subtle nuances of the Mike Mangini era that I think over time people will uh, learn to appreciate well I gotta play the songs you know after first of all I like what's on all the uh, old records, I like Mike's parts. Otherwise, I wouldn't be happy in the band if I wasn't. Uh, right. If I didn't think they were absolutely fantastic. Um, so, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different situation because I have to honor those and sound like those. Um, when I play them too exactly, I've been called creepy. If I don't play them, I'm called names too. So it's just like a known situation. And whatever it is, it is. I'm just playing them the way I want now, and I'm, I'm changing things. I just feel like changing. Right. I can. I, I'm doing it. The band's happy. I'm happy. We're having an absolute blast. Blast. So, it. so yeah. So I mean, so when I play that, it's like it's right at album tempo, and uh, I'm playing it as it is uh, on the record. Although I'm changing, no, I'm fo- I'm following the rhythms a little a little differently in the solo. Whatever it is, but I but I, I played the that part like, as but like that, and then I went yeah. up at that tempo. For half. Just, just, I mean, an exclusive I, performance on the Everyman well, I podcast. Know, I didn't know what the, if the band would, <laughs> would like that or not because it's not exactly. I would uh, love it. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, because see, here's the thing, man. When I 
here's how I knew you prior yeah. to to joining Dream Theater, which is just an interesting coincidence. So we talked about this on Saturday, and then I actually followed up on the conversation yesterday. Um, my first drum teacher who I studied with for about six years, uh, his name was Kerry Watson, and he studied under you at Berkeley. And Kerry gave me your book, your first book, um, that you personally instructed him out of, okay? Yeah. When I was like... I don't know, 15, 14, 15 years old. And uh, he taught me out of that book for years. And that put me off into a whole direction that was different than where I think I would have ended up. Um, and then I kind of got off into learning my own things for a while. But my, my reason for bringing that up is I knew you as this extremely fast drummer, you know, the, the world's fastest drummer, the, the you know, the time, not, the, not quite, but with one move. Yeah, you are. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> no. pretty fast, but like, you know, Annihilator, that kind of stuff. Like, okay. so when I was like, oh shit, we're going to get some blast beats in Dream Theater. This is going to be great. And it hasn't happened yet. So I think at some point, I, I hope that they call upon that tool. And to me, it sounds like nobody's, if I, if I may, no one is telling you to, to do something differently. You're just playing it the way that, makes yeah. the most sense and if somebody says hey i don't like it then you'll oblige but you're really yeah. doing your thing here yeah you know and it's interesting uh first of all when you mentioned kerry in the book and him giving you the book um you have volume one or volume two i only have volume one volume one. all right so uh daryl this this volume one book explains the bigger picture on how um how we work on how our instrument works and on how the environments we exist in work. So it's a perspective kind of thing. Gotcha. And the, the premise of the book is that um, your will, your will can change as you educate and grow and things you come upon can change your will. So it's a big secular thing where you just grow and you grow and you grow and you grow. Um, I had boiled down anything and everything that you could really do on a drum set into some base thinking systems, into systems. And based on the understanding of systems, that allows a person, like Justin can go and take a book like uh, Stick Control, which I believe the other day you mentioned, right? Yes, yes. Is that so he can take a book like Stick Control that has lefts and rights and apply it creatively how he wants to the limb uh, combinations he wants to, to the dynamic component and all of that. And um, it gives him that freedom, but, but my book kind of says, wait a minute, while you're doing that, watch your limbs and what they're doing. While you're doing that, speak to yourself. While you're doing that, understand what hits with what and what doesn't hit with what. While you're doing that, hear your timing and do all of these things that human beings do and get the mechanics right in here, then, you know, his work with stick control, which might be you stepping on a ladder uh, in practice or going through tires or whatever, or hitting a, whatever those things are, you beat the heck out of, you know, yeah. you do those things and then those, those train you, uh, but then you apply it, uh, in, into your world in, in the game environment, you know, mm -hmm. and, and Justin can take stick control and apply it to his practice environment. And then, then he'll know what to take into the gig environment because it's a totally different thing, right. which, 
which you know speaking of it just just to mention that 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 one small part in that one song is i didn't do that at the beginning of this tour i just kind of whipped it out of a few a few shows ago and i actually was playing it and you know john looked over at me and then when i was finished i just stopped playing and the song was still going on so like ow, oh no and I'm like we you know and i got back in i'm like you know cuz i didn't it was it wasn't it wasn't planned by us it was just something that, that, that I felt comfortable with my teammates. You know, my teammates are unbelievable. And, you know, when you were asking still, and I can connect this, about the evolution of the band and the changes and the, the drum sound and the drum, and this Distance Over Time album, we're talking about a team of people working together, giving each other some leeway, letting each other do a little bit of this, so you take that one, okay, we'll do what you want here, okay, why don't you have a turn? It's a bunch of different people helping each other, existing, and at the end of the day, that's the way to live, even if, all right, so the, the right play isn't called every time, or, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't know, I don't play all the right things all the time, or maybe something with one of the albums didn't sit well with somebody, with one fan, but it was okay with another fan, I mean, the team is still a team, and, and the constant here is progress. We're still progressing. You know, so I'm actually surprised even through, even through all the changes uh, that, 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 that you're stuck, you stuck through because there's been such massive sound differences and changes. But, I mean, clearly you must be a progressive fan and you understand. I am. Well, and, change. and people change. Exactly. And like the, the, I've never understood because I grew up kind of like a, a yes was like the first band that I got into. Mm-hmm. And and I've always considered Dream Theater really a modern day. Yes. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The, mm-hmm. Their their evolution is similar in the way that yes started with they were kind of a pop oriented thing where Dream Theaters, they were kind of had that success and that end of that hair metal thing. And then they they went a whole they, they they had a way longer career than I think anybody would have expected them to number one, but but also there yes is a band that had, uh you know Bill Bruford who was a, a legend at the time and then he's just like, yeah he's he's like I'm I'm out of here, and then Alan White comes in and people were like who's this guy you know and he doesn't he shouldn't be here blah 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 and then he he ended up putting down some of the 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 greatest drum parts that that came out of that era of progressive music and and uh, it's the same thing with dream theater and and there's always going to be when you have a band that has has a uh, you guys cross so many genres you're going to have fans that like one thing and then fans that like another and we touched on this on saturday like you don't have to be about everything there's there's things that i don't always listen to but it's great when a, a record like Distance Over Time comes out and it's like, oh, hey, guys, we still are Dream Theater. We're still the standard of, you know, instrumental progressive uh, breakdowns in the middle of the song. Like, you guys are still at the top of the mountain as far as I'm concerned for that, yeah. for that genre. And I just want to say, and you don't have to comment on this, <clears throat> so everybody knows we were there all day, okay? We hung out in the afternoon. We were there after the show. We met... Um, Awesome people on your crew, Zach, uh, your production assistant. Awesome dude, Zach. You know, <laughs> like we met, we we hung with Jordan. We talked to John. We talked to James. You know, everybody's getting along. Everybody is cool. You know, everybody is welcoming, and and there's a there's a a, a coolness in the in the air that you can feel there. Yeah. And I I don't know what it was like before. All I can 
say is that from what I gather and what I've experienced, like it seems like you guys are really it's as advertised. Everybody's happy. Everybody's having a good time, and you're all yeah. really trying to make a great a great product for the fans, which is great. Yeah, we, we that's exactly what's happening. It's glad you experienced it and are saying it just the way you experienced it because that's what <laughs> people experience when they were out, when they are around us. Is that's that that's what we emanate. And again, I mean, I'm very very fortunate to have joined a band with people that are every single person. It's like, do you need some help with that bag? Uh, are you okay? Are you feeling well? You you know, what do you need? Uh, we hang out together at night. We sit and we talk about the show. We talk about everything. You know, it's um, it's just the way it is. I mean, it, I think it's because there's a common there's a common seed and there's a common what can I call it? I'm just gonna say there's a common respect. Respect is a very important thing. I mean, it just really is a very important thing, and we have that for a lot of things. We have it for the fans. We have it for ourselves. We have it for our our the gifts we've been given. We just have like respect all over the place, and that I think that's a core a core thing that you can see in a team. You know, um, very important. I'm just I'm just glad you noticed that. Um, also, um, I, I, the bottom line is we have a common. We have a common goal. We just want to keep improving. We just want to keep, you know, trying to play every show as good as we can. We want to, we want to sound as good as we can. We want to do the best that we can, and that's what we do. And nobody's perfect. You know, we. Um, I don't think any band has gotten it right all the time. I don't like every record every band's put out. I like some more than others. I think that is the case with Dream Theater. I don't like every band member change. Uh, and that every band has had, I think that's okay for people. I think all of this is normal and common sense that's going on, and at the whole the whole time, we're we're trying to get to another AFC championship. That's all. We yep. just want to play in that game. That's all we're trying to do. <laughs> and amazing. I think, and I think it's safe to say, you know, like every, like I mean, <clears throat> I have not missed a Dream Theater show um, since. 2006 i've seen i've seen at least one shot of every tour since and um and then for like the last 10 years you know being friends with john i've been backstage a lot you know and i've seen a lot of stuff and i've seen a lot of comings and goings and um i guess maybe nine years eight years nine years um either way the the show was sold out 2006. We you said you've been seen since 2006. Yeah, yeah. The f- the first the first time I oh. saw them was in 2006. Okay, so that's all right. That was way yeah all way right. back. Yeah. First time Oops. I saw them was oh, opening okay. for Yes uh, at the wow. Allentown Fairgrounds. Yeah, it was that was wow. quite a show. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I because I saw I saw the band um, on the um, on the Six Degrees tour and uh, on the Zappa would they play the yep. Zappa to Zappa on that tour they were just uh, they were just great i mean they were just great <laughs> you know so i, I got you know, to i got to experience it too i mean i can't believe i'm in the band now anyway i you know let me i want to say something about that because when i'm watching all these videos of you and every time you say like hi i'm mike mangini from the band dream theater you you have a like a a glimmer in your eye, and I mean that in a in the best way possible. Like you truly yeah. seem to be so happy to be here, and like it makes the the like the Daryl and I were talking about this like <laughs> at length, like 
how you were just like brimming with the exact thing that we want to talk about, which is that positivity and that that energy for what you do. And what is it like for you to be in Dream Theater after all those years and after like appreciating the band the, the way you did? It is. Um, uh, it, it, what can I say? This? Uh, well, firstly, I'm grateful. You know, uh, every morning, every night I go to bed, I pray. I, I absolutely say thank you for a lot of things, uh, as well as a bunch of. I'm sorry for these things. <laughs> what do you do? I'm, I run it. I try to keep the slate clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so number one, I'm grateful. Um, I also feel as though. I feel as though uh, this is a part of, of of my life. That's like a part of their life too, in that we're 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 going we're going in a certain direction together. Um, distance over time, you know, is a is a different direction than the other records that I was a part of. It was different than the other records I was not a part of. And through and through it, you have a bunch of people that are genuinely. Um, Okay, so what are we going to do now? Blah 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 blah. Well, the only people, I guess, going in the past are, is everyone, anybody like trying to bring us, you know, further back. Like, why did you do this? And why did you do that? But we're thinking about how we're going to warm up tomorrow. Right. So we have this positive um, thing. Is like we're just concerned about tomorrow now because. Uh, we're moving on to Cincinnati, as Belichick says, right? <laughs> yep. And so, and so that's what it's about. So it, it, it's about being positive. It's about uh, doing that because what's the other choice? I mean, to just if, just think about this for a minute, from a football perspective, from any perspective, whatsoever. How can it be helpful, Daryl, if you are lining up in your mind rather than being consumed? with the way your hand feels on the ground or the condition, the condition of the field, um, the assessment of your, of your opponent, the recognition. What, how can it help you if you're going to think about what somebody said to you three days before or something <laughs> happened in traffic or something wasn't happening with the team or another teammate There was a weird thing or someone, or it's a, a bunch of fans, uh, didn't like your sneakers or cleats. Like, how's that going to help you? It's not going to help you at all. I mean, honestly, uh, we have a saying, and um, Anthony Weaver, I'm going I'm to bring you out back at name here from Notre Dame. He used to be my mentor uh, when I was at Notre Dame, probably one of the greatest technicians I've ever been around, uh, had the opportunity to play with at Notre Dame. He was defensive end. He went uh, second round to the, the Baltimore Ravens. Unbelievable technician. Has been playing football since he was like, I don't know, five or six years old. And he used to always tell me because I used to be more mental in college about plays because I was a perfectionist. But I didn't know and I didn't understand the process that takes place each play that has to be dumped as soon as that play is over so you can stay progressive. If whether it's positive, whether it's negative, there's another play that you have to be prepared for. So T. Weaver would look over me and he would say, hey, you know, uh, let that thing go. Young blood, let it go, man. Like, you can't worry about it, whether you got a tackle for loss or a sack. There's another play. There's a new down. You know what I mean? So, so, so yes. So, so let me ask you this, though. This is about help from teammates. This is about help from teammates. Now, uh, Justin, uh, my, my drumming has been um, uh, questioned, you know, in many different ways. Uh, great. 
super, like a dramatic, dramatic turn of events. Oh, Petrucci programmed the drums. That couldn't have been me. That, <laughs> let me let me tell you something. I couldn't. Have, how could I have gotten through that experience without the help of John? By 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 letting me know what he thought, what was dream theater esque or not, or letting me just play what I wanted to play, so he could put two cents in and sometimes say just if that's what you want do it or other times well i don't know because i think the way we do things the vocal's going to go here and blah 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 so that's one instance i got help from a teammate you know what i mean and uh like with what i'm what i'm gonna play but no one told me ever to he didn't program my drums <laughs> you, you will play this on the record i mean come on he would never do that as a human being. He's a great, great person and a great help. James Labrie has had a lot to do with when he's in. I might play different fills, and he'll go, oh, no, try that, or did you do this, or blah, blah, blah. Or Jordan might tell me, hey, man, I'm, I'm catching this thing. Like, check this out. You know, or John Myung might say, well, I'm, I'm feeling real aggressive like this, and blah, 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 blah. So I get help from my teammates, and I change. I change, like, well, okay, let me try this. Is this what you're feeling? And it's nice to have that. Daryl, when has a teammate helped you through something? Maybe something like an initial shock or, or whatever. <laughs> All the time. I mean, um, not just on the field. Uh, here at NFL Films, I'm surrounded by, I always say that NFL Films is like a beehive, and everybody here is making honey together. Like, that's what we're doing from, yeah. from yeah. Pre-production to post-production, there is not one person in this building that does not see your work or touch your work so that it comes to fruition. And it's the very best uh, in the industry uh, for sports and documentaries. So um, I've been helped. My next-door neighbor um, <laughs> is, is, is probably one of the best producers in the world uh, with respect to uh, documentaries, with respect to um, um, EXOs. Um, Terrell Riley is my, my other neighbor. He was he left left NFL Films um, as a seasonal. Went to NASCAR. Took the NFL Films brand to NASCAR. Got a crap ton of Emmys. Comes back and is even more knowledgeable and has um, a skill set that's more robust to help him be even better. And he shares that knowledge with me, which makes me a better teammate. So um, I, the one thing I do want to say and get this out here because Mike and I don't look. Dream Theater, this this past weekend, this was my first concert ever, like in life, like in general, like in life. Justin, you bringing me into your world, it was awesome. And because I get a chance to meet Mike, meet you. Now, the most, I should say, the, the thing I took away from this entire experience is the type, and, and we've talked about this, you've, you've mentioned it, the type of drummer that Dream Theater is inheriting, right? Let's just get to the just get to the meat of the matter, right? Mike Mangini. I'm gonna say this. This is just my personal opinion. Who, whoever out there, you can you can keep it or leave it, whatever. Mike Mangini is one of my favorite people in the world, in the world. And I'm going. To, and here's the reason why: because Mike Mangini, Mike Mangini, cares not only about exercising his craft, cares not only about being the best possible teammate for Dream Theater, for the fans, not only being the best possible human being that he can possibly be for his family, for, for uh, again, for his fans, uh, for everybody who was there on Saturday to witness. I was upstairs in the balcony, and I told you this, Mike, 
I almost got emotional because it made me feel like, honestly, my first game ever playing in Chicago where I literally blown my mind. I didn't know any plays. I look back at Brian Urlacher and I say, yo, B-Lack, like, yo, I don't know what to do. And B-Lack says, don't worry, big dog. I'm going to make you right. That confidence that I got from him, that light that he shared with me, who's a Hall of Famer, Mike Mangini has that for Dream Theater. So for everybody who wants to know the type of drummer you're getting, you're getting a great man. You're getting an even the best drummer in the world. That's just my opinion. He's the best drummer in the world, and he's an unbelievable human being. Unbelievable. Family man. Father. Drummer. Teammate. All of it. That's just the bottom line. So I'm sorry. I, I got to get that out because it's palpable, Mike. Who you wow. are as a person, who you are as a hum- human being, it's, it's just unbelievable. And I feel like people need to know this because that's who you are. That's who you are. Thank and you. You, keep continue to, you keep continue being who you are. And I'm telling you, man, this, this new path that you're on with Dream Theater, dude, you guys are going to break the freaking ceiling loose. It's going to be unbelievable. I can't wait to just Great. listen to it and be a part of it. Thanks. We're trying. That's just amazing. First of all, I, I, that's, I'm like, uh, what do I say now? Wow. Especially you mentioning like Earl Acker too, like who I, who I, who I look up to. I know play. I, I know, I know that, you know, well, what, what he did for you. I mean, like John did that for me in the first, uh, uh, the, the first album and each of the band members has done that for me whenever something has occurred because there's a lot going on on the field and off the field. Um, uh, you know, um, I, and again, it's just, you know, I'm just, I, I'm so lucky. And that's why I'm thankful every day for these certain gifts. Because first of all, you know, I'm with a group of people that we all like to practice. We all like to keep things moving forward all the time. We like to keep things positive. We're always trying to grow. We're doing the best that we can. And we are not perfect uh, on or off the field, right? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know who is. So, uh, but, but Wow. That's incredible. Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, I guess you can sense it. And that's interesting. From a drumming perspective, a lot of times when I'm laying back, I am laying out of the way for my bandmates. I am getting out of the way. I have asked to not be lit many times. I've literally asked, just don't, just like, there's a solo going on, you know? And I want to try to support that uh, and let my teammates just be the best they can because they are <laughs> so they're they're allowing me the same thing it's just great thank you so much for saying that thank no you yeah i mean daryl really you just you nailed everything we talked about you know and i and again I, thank you for, for for saying that the way that you did that was wow. it's the truth and and, and we truth, were man. and we were up there man and we're looking at you know i mean like i said that place was buzzing the the, the ground was shaking you could feel it in the air, and and I like I said, I I have been to everything. I was at Score and Radio City Music Hall, you know. I saw that. I saw everything, you know. And this this right now, what you guys are doing, I think is is a true high point, and I I can see it. It's only you guys got a whole new uh, tank of gas, and it's only gonna only gonna go up from here. I I can really wow, you know. It, thank you. You know, with distance over time, uh, our. our our, our basic premise is, you know, we, we just hope people like it. And with the tour, we're going to do the best we can. We hope people like it. That's, that's, that's where we 
that's where we aim. We just we just hope that it's liked, and people that are there are are liking it a lot. And now the shows are largely all sold out, or mostly, or doing we're close to it. And it's, it's yeah, I looked I looked online great. to to see what the tickets were like, and it's they're pretty yeah. much sold out everywhere. Um, yeah, so it's going over it's going over well. We're very happy that people like it. That's it. We're just keeping it simple. Yep. Well, and that eventually. Um, you know those people. The the their if their minds aren't chained after this interview and going out and seeing you and hearing this record, you know uh, they will eventually. And until then, I know that you're going to be just the as positive as ever. So I think this is a good point to to take it uh, take some fan questions. So I went on the Dream okay. Theater subreddit, um, and <clears throat> you know a lot of the Dream Theater fans are musicians. It seems like uh, or people that are very much. Uh, you know, that very much appreciate respect music. So you have a lot of people that asked a lot of really uh, thoughtful questions and a lot of detailed yeah. musical questions. So we'll just go through them all. And okay. I like to, I like to uh, include the, uh, their usernames because they're often quite colorful, as you'll see. So uh, I'll just kick it <laughs> off right here. This one just made me laugh. I had to use this guy. Yak Mihoff uh, wants to know who is your favorite drummer of all time? Uh, I... I, I... I'm going to answer without answering because I don't have one. And the reason why is read my books. I mean, you, you know my books, Justin. Yep. I, I'm trying to take a piece. I'm trying to take a piece of everybody I'm try, because there isn't one person that does, does the whole grid the best meaning. Um, okay, I, 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 I can't answer his question because I want to borrow uh, and use Terry Bozio's uh, – creativity in many different ways. I want to use uh, Neil Peart's approach to progressive music. I am now using Mike Portnoy's um, uh, influence with the, by learning all the songs and stuff. Hello, you know, can, am I allowed to say that? or is that, I think you just, you, you might have just broken the internet right am there. Am I allowed to say, I mean, so it's like, I, and I, um, uh, I'm using Virgil Donati's uh, in influence with his power and precision and his just just such a always oh, a wonderful friend too uh same with marco miniman we've talked to three of us virgil marco and i we've talked for like 15 years you know uh, helping each other like discover things um in this little you know circle we call ourselves three amigos in one picture oh uh, yeah uh, you know these are my friends it's like um, and because we respect what each other's doing, we know each other's doing different things. Uh, John Bonham, how can I not say Bill Bruford? How can I not say Jen Dennis Chambers? Oh my gosh, you know, the, the list is I, I, I just shouldn't have started naming names because now I have to name 200 names, right? Because I know the feeling. Little, look, and every, everyone's got a different physical move, everyone has a place and a sound. You know what I mean? I've been I've been a replacement guy for the most part my whole career. I can't replace anybody, but I I can mimic and just pick up from people and then do the best that I can. But I'm also uh, it's funny because um, I have a, I had a bunch of posters on my wall as a kid. I have either been in those bands or I'm friends with those people. They've all come into my life like some kind of strange wow. strange thing. You know, so there isn't one drummer. That's the best. And how could it be? Because uh, who's going to hammer those inverted double strokes like Virgil? Okay. Who is going to um, do a spastic ink like Bobby Jarzenbeck? Oh, I'm so who, glad I mean, you brought him up. You know, my... I'm telling you, I could bring up everybody. 
you know, everybody keeps talking about the, the we'll get to it, the, the high symbol thing. And I'm like, have you never seen Bobby Jarzombek? And I'm like, he's like one of my, I, I just love that guy. And so like, I was always like, man, at least he's not hitting him from behind. Like if he stop doing that, then maybe no, Bobby, Bobby will text me go, dude. I love Bobby. He's, he's, a, he's a huge influence for me. I'm so yeah, glad so, you brought him up. Yeah. There's wow. just, there's just too many people. And how about this? This is great. How about that? I have been influenced by students by so many students that, and that's why I love teaching so much because I would see somebody do something. I go, how can you just do that with your feet? I, I can't do that. Where, where'd that come from? Or uh, they would play something uh, in just a different way, and I pick it up. Go, where'd that come from? They're like, I don't know. That's what I do. This is somebody nobody <laughs> knows. So, yeah, it, but it's, it's the truth. I'm always looking because the because the variables are so many. It's like the periodic table. You know, in, in chemistry, and then there's so many elements, and yet there's so many different combinations and and particles within them. I'm looking to all of that stuff to be the to be as good as I can be. Nice. Yitze Jax wants to know: Are you developing any new signature gear, like pedals or sticks or anything along those lines? I just threw out some videos today. Um, so. Pearl, uh, uh, we we have de- developed the gong floor tom or the floor mm. gong drum depending on how we're going to word it this is this is we this is could you feel that live when i hit oh this? yeah <laughs> i mean those are made to shake your your bottom parts okay <laughs> <laughs> and i hope i hope they got shaken because they that, did that's they what those did. are made for and you know they only have um how about this to real get, get real specific uh um, they only have one drum head. They're like a concert tom, but because right. floor toms can tend to go brow, uh, but these things only one head, and they just boom. Also, my pedal is modified by my tech, Eric. It's a center modified pedal, so wow. that's so you so you can take the demon drives. You can just get a lefty and a righty and just put them together and. Put the bass drum in the center. So there's a couple of things. I'm a big direct drive fan. I was a, a longtime Tama uh, Speed Cobra user. Um, and then somebody hooked me up with some trick pedals. And I I can't, couldn't go back. So hook, yeah, hooked yeah. on the direct drive. I'm definitely a big fan of that. Daryl, we know you don't have this version of this, but it might, might just might be some kind of cleat that you prefer. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Well, just to, like just to explain it to a non-drummer, so what we're talking about is on a direct drive pedal, on a bass drum pedal, typically you have what's similar to like a bike chain or mm-hmm. a, a traditionally like a strap, like a, like a nylon strap. Um, and that is what transfers the motion when you're pressing down on the pedal to transfer the motion of the beater to hit the, the kick drum head. Gotcha. So. The direct drive is like a piece of metal that's angled at a certain way so that really what happens is there's a slight a bit of uh, give because of the chain. The direct drive removes that. So it's like an on-off kind of thing. So oh. you have to – you have to. it's a big adjustment at first um, for some people. Uh, it took me a, a little bit to adjust to it. But once you adjust to it, it's like your feet are attached to the beaters and you're like – it's hard to explain, but it's it's, so uh, it, it's really amazing. So does it like help you become more responsive? I guess is is that the yeah the end yeah. all? I mean, kind of because you don't uh, you 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 have a direct connection oh, uh, to the sound. I mean, you know, right. the, the, you know, it, and it depends on the move though. It depends on the move. Um, uh, uh, Justin and I uh, um, with your playing that I saw. Um, you are playing 
uh, is spot on time that I could pick up unless unless you edited everything and no and, 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 and let me tell you just, just since we're talking about it so that that playthrough so both those videos i sent you i sent i sent mike a video well, of me of me doing yeah, a, a playthrough yeah, i just want to explain it so you know why it's like that so i recorded the record to a click um and then jamie quantized it so when i did the playthrough i wanted to do a one shot one take playthrough of the entire song mm -hmm. so i actually was playing that to a quantized click tracked version of the record so i had to literally be split down the middle that was very like that was one of the more difficult uh recording endeavors i've had so to well, hear from the master that is the ultimate compliment you just gave me so thank you sir well you're welcome the uh, if there was more lag in the pedal that that could throw you off by a few milliseconds Daryl, uh, and, and and some of them that aren't linked like that do have a little bit of a an extra lag to them. But in some ways, and for some music, and for some drummers, a heavier lag feel works to get a really? nice behind the beat groove. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're not trying to play a more pattern, or uh, how can I say it's uh, it's for specific types of drumming. For sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's um, there are, there are many drummers that um, uh, look, look, put it this way. If if you if you cannot replace a Charlie Watts in the Rolling Stones with with anybody that wants to kind of make the parts more slick or uh, more um, uh, with a lot of quick quick moves and things like that, it's just not that's not what what the Rolling Stones is about. The Rolling Stones is about that 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 drum beat just driving the song through. It's the same thing. Even if you listen to you know, some R and B, even if it's programmed or something, you right. know, it's but it's 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 placed in a certain place. And some pedals that have a chain drive or some other kinds of pedals have a just a tiniest little bit of lag that feels so good in different environments. So anyway, to, to relate it to football, yeah. what it could be similar to Daryl. Remember we talked about in our in our combine episode, yeah. uh, throwing motions, right? So okay. the the. What do you call it? The U shape, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The C, you got a C, C cup thrower and a U, U cup thrower. Yeah, right, right. So it's 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 like the sim. It's a similar kind of concept of what we're talking about here. Even um, like, I'm thinking just real quick. I'm, I'm thinking it's even more like after listening to Mike, it's you. If in in, in a four three alignment as a defensive tackle, like I have to key off the football, so I have to be first. So I need to key and be like right on time, as opposed to like in a three four. If I'm a defensive lineman, then I'm re I'm reading the guard so I can take my fit to keep him off of linebacker. So I have to take that hesitation, that sweet spot lag later is right. it actually helps me as, it, instead of actually being in that gap first where I can have one guy come off me and then get to somebody like Brian Urlacher or Ray Lewis or, and then it would not be good. And, and if, if I may, if I may speak for Mike and this kind of drumming that he does, it's, you're talking about milliseconds within oh. a 10 minute piece of music. Okay. So like it does really matter like how your foot response is on that millisecond when you're trying to fit in say 20.4 beats per minute uh, or, you know, per second, I rather uh, that, that Mike did there at one point. It's, yeah, it's, it, 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 it comes in handy then. And the, another thing for, for the musicianship, because this, this can sound like technical talk and it's all technical drumming and blah, 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 blah. Everything's technical. There's a technical thing, aspect to everything in the universe. So everything's technical. So anyway, um, 
Ooh, yeah, we're talking about like uh, keyboard sounds now. Um, they're so crystal clear, exact, responsive, and they have a lot of attack. So if my sound has attack, an attack, and the keyboard sound has an attack, and it's not lined up, it's going to what we call flam, and it's going to sound messy. Um, and now, and in some in some ways, you go to see a more loose band or groovy kind of situation. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But for us, it's not intended. So we need to have that um, that precision because it's our intention, not because it's right or wrong, but because we intend it. That makes it right. So any more questions, Justin? Yeah, I got a, I got a few more here. Um, uh, Sonic Karma wants to know what Dream Theater song that you haven't played live yet are you looking most forward to playing in the future? I don't have one. Um, I, 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 I do know that what I was looking for this tour, uh, I think I asked for... Walk beside you. I love that song. Octavarium. I mean, it's it's. That's what. That's my favorite. wouldn't expect me to, add, you know, to uh, say that. I, I don't know. I. That's. I'm just answering the question. That's, that's all. My, I mean, it's because if you if you're looking for like a some monster, technical thing. I mean, first of all, just to just to play through scenes from a memory, um, uh, and choose what to play off the record or not, and when to do it. And that's important because I, I reviewed Mike's live DVDs and things, and he never played it the same way twice. I don't know why I'm supposed to play it exactly like the record or not. I mean, I have no idea what's going on with, with, with uh, any anyone's perspective on this. Like, why can't I do some of these things? Like, You know what I mean? It's, what, what did I ever do? But anyway, I looked and he played I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. Like you can you can hear in scenes that I might have chosen something he did off off of the scenes from New York DVD that he didn't do on the record because I enjoy it. I like it, and there might be something that I change because I want to play something different because I enjoy it and I like it and I can. I've, you know, I'm the one in the band. The band likes it. It's all good. But memorizing that whole thing as a song, maybe that's maybe that's the answers. I, I I'm glad we're playing that whole thing. It says it's like it's one giant song. How about that? And it's an important it's part. Of, it's a, an important part of the band's career, and you know, it's it's just going to be. Yeah, you know what? Why don't I go with that? Because um, it says a lot. It says a lot about my just. I'm on to Cincinnati. You know, I'm on to the next game. I mean, what am I supposed <laughs> nice. to do? Yeah, on you to know? Nashville. I, I, I hear I you. Can't, I can't sound like anybody else. I never heard. Uh, drummers I looked to like Stuart Copeland or or Neil Peart or anybody or Alex Van Halen who I hugely look up to um, I, I heard them play their own songs differently in different tempos different thing you know this that the other thing different fills uh, I don't know but I mean it's just it's it's just different for me because I'm just it's just the job so I have to tote this line between right. what do I play what do I not play um, how do I sound? How do I not sound? What do I just feel like doing? And what do I don't feel like doing? What about my bandmates? There are certain cues and things they need. What about what about all that? So let's say scenes from a memory from top to bottom. So no, there isn't anything right now. I'm doing it. What, one thing I just want to tack on there. Um... I'm, 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 I'm playing Cincinnati right now. um just just some of the the, one of the comments i just wanted to address that i saw a lot of the fans and you don't have to chime in on this if you don't want to just just my opinion here is for for anybody that's has complained uh about the quote-unquote feel uh that mike mancini has or does not 
have allegedly. Um, the spirit carries on is like the most feel you can get, I think, in the Dream Theater catalog. And it it you had grown you had myself I was in tears grown men all around me in tears that doesn't happen if there's no feel so just if you're on this tour if you if you're going out and seeing this tour enjoy the spirit carries on and and thank you well, and then let, leave it leave a comment below uh, you know in the YouTube and let us know what you think <laughs> well so, then I'm well then I'm, then I'm going to have to give credit to Jeff Picaro because that's when I was I, I turned my hand over. God, a little bit of Rosanna shuffling there. I can't again. I can't sound like anybody else. I cannot do that. You know, it's like uh, someone, uh, five guitarists um, playing the same guitar are going to sound differently. It's just the way it is. But thank you for saying that. And that was my influence was right. a little bit of a car because I'm swinging it. But then I realized I looked out into the crowd. Um, uh, I think maybe it's the third show or something. And I saw, you know, a lot of people like doing this, like following the hi-hat part that like Mike played a little a little more straight in there. So what I did is I, now I played the first couple of verses a little more Jeff and swingy and I put a couple of Bonham, yeah. I throw a couple of those things in there, yep. but then I go back to more of the straight thing. So I play the song, honor the song, how it was played, which which I like, you know, that this is one of those tough calls. Yeah. How far do I go? Where do I not go? Do I care whether or not someone in, in, in the crowd likes the play that scored the touchdown or the, the play that got the penalty. What, what am I supposed to do, you know? Hey, Justin. Anyway. We were talking about this uh, to, with, with Tajay Sharp, remember, where I was talking about yep. the uh, the three eyes, the three eyes to self-discovery. So you have imitation, you have integration, and you have innovation. And Mike is innovating like like nobody's business, but, you know, paying homage to all of those Grace before him with him in that same space to just becoming something totally unique. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to be, thank you. I, it's the truth. I mean, most drummers feel this way. I think that's why the drum community has magazines. We have clinics. We have forums. We talk to each other. Uh, we, I think, for the most part, most drummers like each other an awful lot. Well, we you try know, to. We, we There's also it. a lot of competitive nature out there too. But that's good though. We like yeah. that. Like I told you, like right. I told you, I cannot believe you can't. It can't imagine how many hangs, phone calls, and discussions I've had just with Virgil Donati and Michael Miniman. Just with those. Never mind with all the talks with Dennis Chambers and all the clinics. Never mind all the talks. I've done thirty something clinics with Horacio Hernandez and all the drummers we've had clinics with, and all of the things we learn from each other. I mean, Daryl, it's like. Why wouldn't you want to look up who played your position and, yeah, and, and try to learn something? Why wouldn't you do that? And right. wouldn't you say, hey, thank you? Or you met them one day and say, hey, thanks. Thanks for that because I'm not fully me without you. That's what I, I've always answered about Neil Peart. You know, like I had to do an article on him once. And half the, half the thing I wrote was thank you because I couldn't fully be me because you know, like he was such an, an influence on a very important time in my life. So – why wouldn't you say thank you or look to other people? And yeah, the drum community is fantastic. If so, you yeah, want to be, those if you want to be, a, yeah, if you want to be a great player, you watch great players. That's just kind of how I've always learned. You uh -uh. know, you watch the Warren Saps, you watch the Bruce Smiths, you watch the John Randalls. You know what I mean? Um, you watch the Aaron Donalds. That's this year. That's that's this right. generation's. You know, next uh, great interior lineman. So that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I've got no questions. 
I've got uh, I've got two more uh, Dream Theater questions here okay. for you, and then I think we'll we'll call it a wraps for part one of this uh, fantastic oh. odyssey here with Mike Mangini on the Everyman Podcast. Uh, this one actually comes from my wonderful girlfriend Samantha. Uh, she is a big fan of Distance Over Time, and you guys spoke briefly on FaceTime the other night. Um, and she wanted to know, how do you deal with the wear and tear of touring and drumming? Um, and, and how do you... I think this question's really so she can help me. Um, <laughs> but uh, how do you deal with that wear and tear of, of touring and drumming? And uh, what kind of little secrets and tricks have you learned along the way that have helped keep you going and keep you uh, healthy? The most important thing I've learned is that sleep is number one because it gives my body a chance to recover. That is the most important thing. That's because I'm hitting it as, as hard as we all in the band are hitting it and giving every single night. Um, so rest is number one. Uh, nu- Nutrition is important. We have to be very careful about the amount that we eat, what we eat, about the amount that we drink, what we do or do not drink, to, uh, include water. And uh, John, my young, and I love to have a glass of red wine after the show. Um, and then, you know, or I might sit down and uh, with, with any, any of the guys. James on tour is, uh, doesn't mess with, he just does, he drinks water. He does not drink alcohol and smoke cigars, anything like that. Nothing. He does not mess with it. So it's probably about avoiding than anything, uh, more than anything. I, with the wear and tear though, I know that stretching would help me. I've started doing it a little bit more. It's, this is a habit thing. It's not Mm -hmm. part of my routine. It's not part of my habit. And I make excuses not to do it. Uh, it's like weight training. Um, you know, I uh, Daryl, you might not want to walk into a weight to the weight room after you are dead tired playing a football game, and maybe it's going to be a little difficult getting up the next day too. Or should you ice your knee? Or, you know, what should you do? So the main thing here is recovery. Um, wear and tear. I'll eventually do get into push-ups again and some things like that and some exercises because I'm a lot of injuries have healed, but it's pretty mm-hmm. much avoiding things and. Um, and by the way, it just 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 so it's known, like we're uh, we're following up here because we had some trouble on our on our um, on our first podcast uh, or first attempt or whatever. So uh, so we spoke a little bit. That's that's how I got a, a chance to say hello, and that's why all that right. occurred. Like, well, what are we going to do? And all right, yep. well, I'll be available here. And anyway, here we are. Yep. Another question. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have a favorite? This is from Thupa. What's your favorite Dream Theater part or section to play live, if you have one? Hold on. Oh, hold on. One did hit me. Let me think. Um, uh, uh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I can't believe I'm forgetting this. There's something Portnoy did. Um, oh, my gosh. Why can't I remember? I'm sorry. But I know this, though, because I remember... I remember last tour. I can't believe this. I don't remember exactly what it was. I remember playing something going, like, that's just like the most brilliant, perfect thing ever. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember what that was. Um, that stinks because I can't answer the question completely 100%. Uh, what was it? It was something through images and words. I don't remember what it was. Uh, well, if it comes to you, we'll, it. we'll bring it back. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. bring it back yeah. around. I mean, um, for now, uh, if, if I'm splitting between um, between uh, something old and something new, uh, let's say let's say I like the way in, in 
And uh, mm, mm, mm. I like the way he's, um, and he does it in a few different songs where he uses the trash stack on the beat and then he lets it go off the beat in the second half. And then he doesn't want to do that too much. So then he just starts it off the beat in the third portion. He's done this a couple of times. It's Isn't in, that in Dance of Eternity? Yeah, yeah it, well, it, it's in Beyond This Life and it's in, um, um, oh my God. Uh, oh, Dance of Eternity? No, not the way I'm talking about because uh, it's like a Beyond This Life, it, it, starts, it starts on the beat and then it goes naturally off the beat in the second half of the measure. But then, like, the third round, he'll start the thing off the beat. So, like, it's like, it was something like that that he did in an older tune. I don't remember. Anyway, my, my favorite thing I'm doing that I uh, constructed or came up with is um, the middle of Pale Blue Dot. Because, because it's, it's actually one, it's in one quarter note, the whole song. It just veers off into into um, dotted notes uh, and triplet notes against this quarter note, even though it's an odd amount of these triplet notes. It all comes back to the same exact quarter note. Um, and then we go into triplets that are really phrased in fives. And all of that is something for me that I can manage and keep in time. Um, but, it's, but it's more about the part itself. All right, how about this? Let me get even more specific. My favorite, when you see me smile and giggle, you will know that that's like a favorite kind of thing. Yep. It's in Pale Blue Dot when I'm in, I'm in it's, well, again, these are triplets, but it looks like it's, uh, it could be quintuplets or fives. When I'm, I'm up on the, um, the octos, which look like, uh, I, what, what was I told? Hamster tubes? Okay, ah. anyway. So, uh, uh, so I'm up on those things following Jordan because when he plays it's so visual what he does he's right. like a cinema guy he could he could make you visualize a mountain with a cloud in a certain place or something he's like so <laughs> out of control how he can do this so I mean that's just because because it's well, I'm reaching up high it's a challenge um, it's in that you know five but the five thing but it's really triplets and and those drums sound I think it's they're hilarious sounding with the with the with the particular key but I'm sorry but it's about the humor of it <laughs> so there you go. What stinking part, Mike? I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. There are a lot. Otherwise, again, I wouldn't be having so much fun in the band and um, if it wasn't as great as it really, really is. Well, I can definitely say that uh, from watching you Saturday night, you, you definitely love what you're doing. You love who you're yeah. playing with. And I think the love is uh, is mutual from the fans and from that crowd in, on Philly on Saturday night. That's That's... That's all I can say about that. So, uh, Mike, yes, thank indeed. you for thank you for this uh, first part of this uh, wonderful podcast odyssey, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, next. <laughs> next. Wait a minute, you're, yeah, you're welcome. But let me tell you something. In yes, sir. Philadelphia, it's a good thing I didn't uh, pull a Bill Burr. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't know oh, if you know what I'm God. talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in part two. It's a good thing I didn't move you over. It's all friendly. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's funny. 